Welcome to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice, week 14 of the NFL's 100th season. Got a great weekend of games. We'll talk about three of those games with Gary Stevens, Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens later in the show. We'll also talk with my first guest. I'm excited when we bring on Bobby Johnson, offensive line coach of the 9-3 Bills. The Ravens, 10-2 with explosive, dynamic quarterback Lamar Jackson will travel to Buffalo this weekend. What a great game that is. We'll talk to Bobby Johnson, and we'll also have on Hall of Famer Gary Stevens. He'll talk also about the 49ers at the Saints, the 10-2 49ers at the 10-2 Saints, and then the afternoon game, the 425 East Coast time, the 8-4, two first-place teams, the 8-4 Kansas City Chiefs, at the Patriots 10 and 2. Some great games. We're going to talk to Gary Stevens about a lot of different things, including state of California racing, where it's at right now. Also, Gary Stevens stables. He'll talk about that. He'll pick some NFL games for us and he'll give us the winners in the Remsen and in the Cigar Mile at Aqueduct tomorrow. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do, this guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. I'm really excited to have on a friend and a guest that's been with us a couple of times already on the show, Bobby Johnson, offensive line coach, going to play those red-hot Baltimore Ravens coming off the big win on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. Bobby, how's it going, man? How was the week? Well, thanks for having me on, Big Mike. Uh, things are going well. The week went well. I mean, we're at the point in the season, as you well know, that we're just in the routine. You just try to repeat the routine, the things that have gotten you to the point you're at now. You just try to repeat them and kind of keep the guys on schedule. So that's where we're at. And I see that both teams are relatively healthy in fact, I believe the only injury you guys had was an illness to uh, Spain. I'm sure he'll be ready to roll by Sunday, East Coast time, 1 o'clock, man. Those guys are coming in. You guys are fifth in the league in rushing, uh, knocking off 137 point. Well, let's round it off, 138 yards a game. I think that's going to be a key to this week. You want to keep that, obviously, that explosive Baltimore offense off the field it's a formula Bobby that worked for you guys against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving you guys had 33 and change uh, time of possession and Dallas only had the ball for 26 minutes is that something mm-hmm. you guys are looking at and not not to give away your game plan is that something that you guys feel is going to help you guys be victorious on Sunday well I think you know in any game you know regardless of the opponent what we're trying to do right now is give ourselves as many possessions as possible right. and as many good plays as possible. Right. So I think, you know, what we're doing is, you know, it looks like we're going really, really fast and really all we're doing is we're putting ourselves in the best play possible. And, and sometimes that, that means that we hold on the ball a little bit longer than, than normal. So I think it's a key, you know, regardless of who you're playing, obviously this week with the team we're playing, if you're only going to get so many opportunities because of what their offensive philosophy so you have to maximize yours and make sure that every play is a good play. So if that means you got to hold on the ball longer and, and possess it longer, then that then so be it. Yeah, and I, I, you guys have had great game plans. I have followed you, as you know, 
all the way since training camp. I've been on the Bills bandwagon, which is <laughs> making me look like I know what I'm talking about. You got you guys are in the top part of it in sacks. Only have given up 28 sacks. You guys are in the top part of it, top half in quarterback hits. Quarterbacks not getting hit a lot. Third down conversions. You're you're just hovering around halfway. And uh, well, some area, an area that you guys were really really good at early in the year, and that's red zone scoring touchdown percentage but you're in the top 10 you're ninth right now tell us about the things that you think with this last quarter of the nfl season the last quarter the last four games what are some of the things you guys are looking at to improve on well uh, you know obviously you want to make sure that you're really good in those situational kind of mm-hmm. situations within football you know third down and red zone i mean Third downs, you know, you, you got to be really good there in order to give yourself a new set of downs. And then when you get in the scoring position in the red zone, you know, you really want to you want to come away with points. And I think in the fourth quarter of every season, you realize that the games are going to get tighter and tighter as they mean more and more. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to come away with touchdowns opposed to field goals. So I think you got to be really good in the red zone. You know, the things that we're good at right now, and, you know, like you mentioned statistically, a lot of that has to do with with, with Josh Allen. That kid is. Mm-hmm. You know, really special kid. I uh, enjoy being around him every day. Our team, you know, our, my guys in particular love playing for him. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those stats that make, you know, me look like I know what the hell I'm doing and my guys, <laughs> like, they're really, you know, we're all working hard and we study and we take a lot of pride in our craft. But a lot of it's that kid, too. Now, he, he gets us going the right direction. He gets us in the right type of play. You know, and he's a special type of athlete, too. And yes. there's, some, there's some times where, you know, we don't give up a sack or we don't give up a hit, and it's probably because 17 did something special to get us out of a bad situation. So right now we're playing really good complementary football, you know, within the offense, offense-defense, defense-special teams all around. So that's why right now we're clicking and we got to continue to do that in the fourth quarter. You guys are clicking, and, and the quarterback is coming on. He has done an outstanding job especially over the last three or four weeks. He seems to be playing with a lot more confidence. The, the, the offense is really built around him. You guys are running the ball well. One thing I want to mention here, you guys are fifth in the league in rushing, and when you look at the numbers, Bobby, you say, wow, Baltimore is sixth in the league in rush defense. But that's one of those stats that I think uh, can be a little bit misleading because they've had – only 251 attempts against them rushing, and you know that's because they've been winning a lot of te- uh, games, so the teams haven't been running the ball. Right. But they, Bobby, I know you know this. I'm just saying this for the fans. They're giving up. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're giving up four and a half yards a carry. You know that's a that's a good yeah. chunk of yards. I mean, four and a half yards a carry, you'll take any day of the week. I mean, don't you think? Bobby? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that. You know, a lot of it, like you said, is you know kind of. They're, they're complimentary football, what their offense does and how it benefits their defense. I think, too, maybe the, the, maybe the inflated yards per carry number might be times where teams do run the ball and it's mm-hmm. a situation where, hey, they're playing to defend the pass because the team they're playing against is already down two to three right. scores. Right. I mean, they're, they're a typical Baltimore team. Mm-hmm. Coach Harbaugh has done a great job there over the last, I think, 12 years. You know, they're a tough team. They're a physical team. They're a fundamentally sound team, you know, and, and Wink Martindale's done a really good job with his defense. Yes. And I respect him, you know, really, you know, a lot. I've had to spend a little bit of time around him. He's a great guy, and he's got a good football mind. They're going to be stout. They're going to be physical, and we're going to have to work for our yards, just like any, you know, I, I worked with a, 
I worked with a line coach who was about six foot eight who used to say, hey, they can't take away everything. If they're taking away one thing, they're giving you something else. And that's, that's right. the challenge that I have and my guys have is, hey, well, whatever they're taking away, they're giving me something else, and i got to be quick to recognize it and yeah. get us to that. So yes. that's going to be the challenge, and I think that um, we've done a good job, Brian Dayball, uh, the coordinator, and, and Josh on the field of when teams do take something away, getting us to the thing that they're giving us. Yes. Absolutely, and I and I love that, and I wonder who that guy was. Hey, and so a couple of game wreckers, Bobby, and I'll let you go. Sack, yep. your sack guy, and I've, I've always felt this was a good play to Matt Judon. Uh, or, yep. uh, he's uh, number 99. He's a damn good yep. player. He's got seven sacks. And the other guy that I got yep. my eye on is that outside linebacker, uh, the other outside linebacker on the other side, or the weak side linebacker, Patrick Onwos. Anwosor, uh, he's got yeah. 49 tackles, three sacks, two good players. Uh, are those two the game records you guys have identified this week? Yeah, I mean, up front they have a good sound front. Um, Judon's a guy that, you know, he statistically got a lot of production. Um, they got a rookie out of Louisiana Tech to get some production. Anwosor gets some production. Uh, Bowser gets some production. So really what it is is we're just really concerned with the spots, mm-hmm. you know, hey, understand, like, they move these guys around. They try to confuse you. They try to mix and match some pieces. And just really what I've tried to take take to my guys this week is, hey, understand the spots, mm-hmm. right? Understand the edge spot. Understand the three technique spot. I don't care who they put there. This is a matchup game. They're going to, hey, Judon might be a five technique. He might be a nine technique. He might be standing directly over the center. Understand what that spot does mm-hmm. and uh, obviously you know the red flag goes up when he's in various spots because he is a very good defensive player a very good rusher so we'll have our eyes you know obviously we're not going to fall asleep on anybody up front but we do have our eyes on certain guys and making sure that you know we don't allow them just to wreck the game they're going to have to earn whatever they get i like to hear that i like to hear that buffalo bills playing at home against yep. The Baltimore Ravens, the ten and two Ravens coming into Buffalo, playing the nine and three Buffalo Bills on Sunday, one o'clock East Coast time. Hey man, I really appreciate you coming on. Make those damn corners tackle this week, Bobby, and get after those <laughs> get after those guys, and have a great time with the family. Uh, enjoy the game, and uh, I'm gonna really be enjoying watching you, Bobby. I'm loving watching what you're doing this week, and I'm I'm extremely proud of you. I appreciate it, Big Mike. And- Thanks for having me on again, and as always, pleasure to spend time talking with you. And like I said, I'm really fortunate to be in the situation I'm in, and I'm going I'm to capitalize on opportunities. So thanks for having me on, and like I said, thanks. Yep, I'll hit you up after the win, Bobby. All right, thanks, All right. Big Mike. All Talk to right, you later, buddy. Right. Bye-bye. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice, and I have on, well, he's been a regular guest. I had to give him a little bit of break after the Breeders' Cup. My friend, Hall of Fame jockey, Gary Stevens. It's been a while. It's been since the British Cup, uh, Breeders' Cup. What's up, my man? Well, uh, you know how it is, Mike. Uh, some of us old athletes and old horses, we need turning out every once in a while. <laughs> Recharge the batteries. I think that's going to happen with a couple of these old uh, superstar football players on the weekend. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit. But, oh, yeah. Uh, my batteries are recharged. Headed to New York tomorrow to cover the uh, Cigar Mile, the Remsen, and the Demoiselle, and 
I'm pretty excited about it uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, that's a great card. And, you know, there's a great card at Los Al this weekend. But the number of horses that are in the races that you're covering this weekend, to me, takes center stage over anything else. The Cigar Mile, the Grade 1 Cigar Mile at Aqueduct, must be, I don't know, I didn't go ahead and look at the last three weeks of the year, but it must be one of the last grade one races in the uh, United States this year, Gary. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, it, I, I would say as far as stallions go and making stallions, it rates uh, right up there with any of them. And it also could have some say-so and three-year-old champions with maximum security yep. running and everything. But we'll get to that later. But yeah, yeah, yeah well. this is the last big day. And, and also the Remsen. I mean, there's been so many good two-year-olds uh, that can prove they can get the route of ground. It's a mile on eight, first time that any of these two-year-olds will experience that. I was fortunate enough to win the uh, uh, 1994 running of the Remsen on a horse named Thunder Gold, who I oh, came yeah. back and won the Kentucky yep. Derby on yep. it. And a lot of top derby horses have come out of the Remsen, so it's a, a good race to pay attention to if you've got the dreams of picking the derby winner. Yeah, and if all you listeners out there want to know what our schedule is, we've got a lot of stuff to talk today about with Gary. We're going to finish up with those two great races. I'd like to point out also in the Remsen at Aqueduct, there's Derb, Kentucky Derby points out there. There's 10 points for the winner and four points for the second-place finisher. So that really is the kickoff race on the East Coast for the uh, Kentucky Derby next year, 2020, Gary. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, I, I think the thing that strikes me the most about the Remsen is uh, weather conditions are not always ideal there in New York, and they're not always ideal in Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby in the springtime. And right. we're, we're looking at uh, sunny skies with a high of 34 degrees oh, on Sunday. So. Uh, it proves the toughness of these two-year-olds and also proves that uh, they can get the distance that they're going to need next year. Yeah, that's going to be an exciting race, and we'll get to that at the end of our show. But first, I want to ask Gary to give give me a little update. Give our fans a little update, Gary, if you will, on the state of California racing. What's going on down there? Bring everybody up to speed. I know you go out to Clocker's Corner almost every day. Let all the fans out there know what's going on. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, Believe me, I think that good things can come from bad things. We learn from our mistakes, and it's all right. I was taught to uh, uh, make mistakes when I was riding or anything in life, but never make the same mistake twice. And us in horse racing, we continue to make the same uh, mistake year after year after year, maybe half a century or there more, not promoting our sport correctly, but... You know, and I'm not just talking about California. I'm talking about internationally mm -hmm. and especially nationally here in the United States. And uh, I, I think that our heads have finally been picked up that uh, we've <laughs> got to better be, our right? sport. We've got, to, we've got to police our sport better to see the, the state of our horse racing here in the state of California. It's, it's scary, but it's scary in a good way. I think positive changes are coming. I was with Bobby Baffert all morning. This morning, he says, Gary, we've got a team together to save this sport here. And, you know, we've got the governor and a few people that, Senator Feinstein, and they, they were thinking of actually shutting us down. And mm -hmm. it's gone a different direction. You know, they're, they're uh, after our, our new national coalition, and I think we can make uh, brilliant changes here. But instead of trainers and owners and everybody leaving i i think we need to support and sustain california racing there's so many people that are employed here 
in the state that's agricultural business, not a game. It's a game to the gamblers, and we are driven by the gamblers, but at the end of the day, it's agricultural, and we support a lot of uh, jobs here uh, in agriculture and our sport and, and the state of California. So uh, we've got to back it, and we've got to uh, get it back to where it was the greatest game in uh, Southern California and the whole state of California. Yeah, racing in Santa Anita, I've said this on this show before, with you and with other people in the industry, Santa Anita is by far my favorite racetrack in uh, in the United States. I haven't been to any outside the country, so I can't speak for those beautiful racetracks, race courses. But also, uh, there was a little blurb out there on social media about jockeys and jockeys uh, becoming better riders and can you uh, can you allude to that for the fans? What what I was kind of seeing on the uh, on the social media today? Yeah, uh, Mike. I actually, you know, I, I rode. It's well known internationally and rode in uh, all of Europe: Germany, England, France, Ireland, uh, also in Asia and uh, Hong Kong and Japan. Third back in 1997, the first time that I rode at the highest level in England, they had uh, whip rules in order. And that's become one of the major talking points uh, with the animal rights activists and, and me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was over there, they had a, a limit to the number of times that you could use your whip for encouragement uh, or safety. And I adapted to it, and, and it made me a better jockey. I mm-hmm. quit using that uh, as a crutch and started using it as a, a tool to encourage my horse to go forward and you know, I spoke out about it this morning, and, and I really think that the great riders are continue, uh, going to continue to do well. And what this rule states is that a jockey is only able to use the whip for uh, encouragement or, or seven strikes during a race. And you better time it right and, and make sure that uh, you're finishing the fastest at the end of the race. And like I said, I think the great riders will continue to be great. The good riders will become great, and the mediocre riders will become good. So I, I think it could be a positive step. The state is talking about taking the riding crop or whip, whatever you want to call it, uh, taking it away from the jockeys, and it's going to be mass chaos if that happens. a dangerous situation. In New Jersey, they put something out two days ago that they are going to adopt that as a rule. Uh, there's a 60-day public uh, talking point on that, and that's the reason I spoke out yesterday. But I, I more spoke out to the state of California. Uh, I want to be proactive. I want to help these jockeys. I want to help the sport. And I, I want to help government understand and the animal rights lovers uh, what we're all about. And we're not here to punish them. They're bred to run. <laughs> they're, they're bred to be fast. And... I'm not sure if they shut racing down, if they really have a plan for what these great athletes, uh, what their future is going to be, what they're going to do with them. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you're getting out there in the forefront of this discussion, this debate. Uh, this thing's been going on um, since the uh, the rainy season we had in Santa Anita when we've had some fatalities to the horses. And then we came back when they closed the track and then – I find it hard to see how you guys are going to ride without a whip, but then again, I've been on a couple of horses in my life, and the last one I was on was after my senior prom, and that was a long damn time ago. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I not only find it hard to, to see how jockeys are going to ride races without 
having some some uh, use of encouragement or uh, if something spooks a horse, not having something to uh, get a horse's attention to move them forward. And I would hate to be up in the grandstand uh, gambling. Uh, and this, this sport is, I mean, you're a horse player. Yep. I've turned into a bit of a horse player. And I'm not sure I could play the game up in the grandstand just, rolling, uh, you know, calling uh, red, black, or green on the roulette table. No, I'm not liking that too much. This, uh, th- That's not uh, for me. I never made one of those red, black, green, blue bets. I think it's garbage. I think that thoroughbred horse racing in the state of California is an entity. It's a thing of beauty. Uh, the sport is a, a gorgeous sport. The jockeys and the athletes, the horses are the athletes. Two athletes together pairing up. I just love the pageantry of it. I love the entire thing, and, and I'm glad to see you out there, Garrett. I know you've been talking with other people, Bobby Baffert and other people out there trying to be proactive in the state of California, but let's be proactive on another subject, Garrett, uh, and that's Gary Stevens Racing. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about it. Let the fans know about Gary Stevens Racing, and then you're putting your money where your mouth is. Let's Tell the fans about Gary Stevens Racing. Yeah, I am, Mike. I mean, uh, at, at this time, during the tough times right now, and a little better times on the East Coast and the West Coast right now, but yeah, I, uh, I bought a colt at the Saratoga Select Colt uh, Sale by Spitzer, and he wouldn't cheat. I, I invested more than I've ever invested, but that night uh, was invented the Gary Stevens Racing Club, and uh, there are 30 units, and 25 of those units have been sold in the cult right now. Wesley Ward has him in South Florida. And I'm actually, after I do my show on Saturday at Aqueduct, uh, I've got a flight to Fort Lauderdale. And uh, the yearling colt, he's already in full training. Mm. Uh, he's been broke, and and uh, he's, you know, three months away from his first race. And uh, this is an exciting time of the year when you've got yearlings and, and two-year-olds. And through what I've learned uh, and I've known Wesley since he was 11 years old, mm-hmm. uh, and I've followed his career, and uh, he's he's known as a genius with uh, two-year-olds and had uh, success internationally, and that's one reason I chose him to be my trainer, and fortunately, uh, he accepted and didn't just accept, but uh, he was honored, and I'm flying down there to check him out on, on Saturday, and or on Sunday morning, uh, I'm going to uh, stay with his son, Riley. Uh, Wesley's actually got some uh, business going on in France this weekend, and it's not going to be around, but he keeps me up to date with videos, and I haven't seen this cult uh, with my own eyes except on video. It's like watching, uh, you know, your first-round draft pick uh, going through training, and, and you can't watch him. So pretty excited about that on, on Sunday and looking forward to the future. And uh, Gary Stevens Racing Club, this is Gary Stevens Racing Club number one, Mm-hmm. And uh, there will be a, a number two, a number three, a number four, and a number five, and so on and so forth. And hopefully uh, my next acquisition will be a horse that will be based here in Southern California with uh, other other partners to show uh, uh, my support for Southern California racing. But right now the focus is on, on the yearling Spitzer cult named uh, Madster, uh, named after my daughter and I've got a great bunch of uh, of uh, partners right now of 
30 partner, 30 units in the horse. There's going to be a total of about 18, and all of them love horse racing. Uh, I've got some uh, professional athletes that are involved. I won't mention any names. Can, right you, name, can you name one that you're talking to? You can go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't go know. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I don't know. Is this how Diane's going to find out? Yeah, you're, absolutely. You're, uh, She's going to find out by you announcing it on the podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, Diane. Sorry, uh, Mikey was one of the initial uh, investors. Of, of course. Uh, in this, but uh, we've got some major players yeah. uh, as owners, and we've got some major players as, as betters, and just people that love the sport and uh, love to hang out with G. Stevens. I love to hang out with them, and uh, just it, it is it's a club, and it's not a boys' club; it's a, a boys and girls' club, and. Uh, well, we're going to have a lot of fun with Well, it. tell the people, you said you had 25 or 30 shares sold. Tell the people, if you want to, I mean, take this minute to tell the people how they can get a hold of you, get a hold of your representatives, and go ahead and get one of those last five shares that are out there. Well, I, I am the representative, and, and the first thing I, I, sh- I should have said is I was the first invest- investor. I own two shares myself, and it's $10,000 uh, per share, uh, half share shares were available at $5,000, but uh, no longer any of those. But uh, the five shares, uh, you can reach me at glennstevens at hotmail.com. That's G-L-Y-N-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S at hotmail.com. There you it go. sounds like one of those. I'm not. I didn't come on. I, yeah, but it's my show. It's, it's my show. Uh, if I want to promote Gary Stevens Racing, hey, I want you to sell out the other five shares, so that's less money I got to pay. If if you sell out all thirty, that's less day money for now, me. Now, well, the, the, the cool thing, Mike, <laughs> the cool thing that you forgot to announce oh, right. is there there are no uh, payments right. due uh, on training until Ju- uh, June first yeah. uh, on the horse. And right. I'll just tell people <clears throat> this is a business; it's a fun business. But uh, I have a certain goal for this colt and. Uh, if anybody's interested and, and they do reach out, I'll send videos uh, with Wesley's voice in the background and uh, I'll explain what the goals are and what, what I think our future is. And hopefully with uh, the people that have well, been friends forever and stuff, this isn't going to be our first goat roping. Uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling. Give him, give the fans, hey, Gary, not, give the fans that uh, uh, how to get a hold of you again one more time. It's uh, G. Lynn Stevens, G-L-Y-N-N, Stevens at Hotmail.com. Okay, perfect. Middle name is Lynn. I used to get a lot of crap from my brothers. Uh, I was supposed to be Debbie, Debbie Lynn. It turned out Gary Lynn. So yeah. Lynn Stevens at Hotmail.com. Yeah, there you go. And, and go ahead and reach out to Gary. He's only got five shares left. No half shares, 10000 each. And Gary's the representative. He doesn't have one. I dealt with Gary. And uh, I want to talk about another uh, great event that went on up in Redmond, Washington, a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't able to attend because I was back east. And Pegasus uh, in uh, Redmond, Washington, run by Mike Puich for Dr. Day Domenico, Dr. Mark Day Domenico. Tell, tell the fans out there about that event you had a couple of weekends ago. I heard it went real well. Yeah, it did go real well. Uh, Mike Puich is you know, he runs, he is the farm manager at uh, Pegasus Thoroughbred Training Center. And Dr. Dana Domenico, uh, they were actually responsible for getting me fit uh, for my return to horse racing in 2012. Mm-hmm. And 
I went up there and, and went through a camp, weighed about 140 pounds, got down to riding weight. And what he does with horses, uh, he does with human beings, only uh, on, on a little bit higher level. But uh, became very close and fast uh, friends with Dr. Mark. And I used to ride for his dad, Patsy, one of the greatest training centers in the world. But uh, Mike Jewett's one of the greatest um, horse trainers here in the United States. And He's uh, put a new stable together to go to Hot Springs, Arkansas mm-hmm. uh, this winter, be racing for the highest prize money in the United States. And he put a package of horses together, uh, had an open house, and offered uh, one young horse with an older horse, the three different partnerships. And uh, it's just an open house. And I went up there, I did some work for. Uh, Dr. Mark and Pegasus, a uh, big be- believer in the way they run things. But I saw people up here, Mike, from the old Seattle days when oh. I was just a kid before I was Long uh, acres. famous Gary Stevens, when I was just playing Gary, which I hope people think I still am. But uh, Billy Clockstead and, oh, and Billy. Uh, just Al Benton's daughter, Nancy Benton. Oh, yeah. Who, Nancy, I hope you don't mind, but uh, she bought two shares in in our Colts, and uh, she said, I don't know if you remember my dad or not, but he had a horse named, had a mare named Bella Rainier, oh, and you rode her, and, and I said, remembering how the greatest mare to ever come out of Seattle. Oh, a wonderful and, horse. And um, one of the, the biggest owners. So she'd gotten out of the business for a while, and she's back in it now, and she's your partner, Mike, but she showed up, and uh, I'm excited. mimosas and, and horses uh, early in the morning. With uh, with some cold fresh air with my man Mike Jewett, and it's gorgeous up there. And I've been the Pegasus and uh, had a horse out there, Midnight Hawk, a number of years ago that I was in partnership with Mike Pegram and Joel Quinville, who is now with the Florida Panthers, three-time Stanley Cup winning coach for the Chicago Blackhawks. We owned a horse named Midnight Hawk that got. Uh, started up there at Pegasus, so we had great success with that. I horse. remember Midnight Hawk. Yeah, let's oh, let's move on to this horse. I mean, move on to this horse. Let's move on to this game, the game that I know, and the game you've been pretty good at in picking this year on the show. I'm going to give you three games, all really good okay. games. These are not uh, for the fans. These are not the games that I am going to pick on my YouTube show, Odds and Ends. Uh, these are games that I'm going to pick and talk about with Gary. First, I'm going to start with, gosh, this could be the game of the week any any week of the season. That's the 10-2 and two Ravens, uh, number one seed in the AFC right now, headed to the Bills, who right now, if the season ended, would be the number five seed. They're at 9-3. and three. That's a 1 o'clock game. Supposed to be 40 degrees, Gary, and cloudy. No, no bad weather that probably the Bills were hoping for. The Ravens are minus five and a half, but you don't have to pick with the spread. I do that on the YouTube show. You just go ahead and give me a winner of that Ravens at Bills game. Well, you can give me the minus five and a half, whatever you want to do. It's the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I, I think he's uh, I think he's extremely special, and uh, he's a class act. I've, I've got uh, friends in Louisville that uh, have known him since – he was playing there in Louisville, and uh, I love what I'm seeing. I think they're on the improve. Uh, I respect Buffalo. I know they were hoping for bad weather. Mm-hmm. I don't think bad weather was even going to help them, uh, the Ravens. All right, all right. Okay, that's good. That's good. I, I think the Ravens are going to be real tough. I, I don't know. 
uh, that the Bills are going to have enough offense, but I do think they'll have, uh, at least I think they'll have enough defense to uh, moderate that number one scoring that the uh, Baltimore Ravens are number one in the NFL scoring over 30 points a game. How about these next two teams? Two 10-2 teams. I'm certainly staying away from picking this one on my YouTube show. And that's the 49ers at 10-2. and two. How about this, Garrett? After the Seahawks win on Monday night against the Vikings, and I know Angie's a big 49er fan, your wife Angie, that, that yep. right now if the season ended, the 49ers at 10-2 and two would be the fifth seed in the NFC. That's how strong the NFC is. They're going to the Saints, who are the number one seed right now and have clinched their division already. They're at 10-2. and two. That's a 1 o'clock game. The Saints are minus three. Go ahead and pick the game without the spread. What you thinking there, my man? I want to hear this one. Uh, look, I know I know they're going into uh, New Orleans and, and everything. 49ers uh, coming off a tough loss and, and everything. And a lot of people are going to say, you know, well, the Saints have it clinched. Uh, what's going to be the deal here? Well, at the end of the day, they're they're still going to put everything on the line. I think it's going to be a close game, uh, and and I think that uh, coaching at the end is going to, you know, if if the Forty ers happen to be in front, uh, I think the Saints will back off a little bit and say, you know what, let's let these guys rest up a little bit. And uh, so I'm going with the Forty ers in that game. You know, there's an old thing I used to tell Mike Pagram, not used to, I still tell him, as the season dwells on and as the season moves down the road to that Belmont Stakes mile and a half, I always used to refer to the season as one of the triple crown races because it's not a sprint, it's a Belmont Stakes. It's a mile and a half. As the season closes their last quarter, they have four games left, the fourth quarter of their season, the 49ers need this game a lot more than the Saints need the game. And I'm with you, Gary. I like the 49ers in that game. Uh, I want to go to the last game. How about this one? What a slate of games the NFL has this weekend. Chiefs 8-4. and four. They'd be the number four seed right now. Of course, they're number one in the West in the AFC. They're going to the Patriots. Weather's supposed to be sunny and uh, 36 degrees, Gary. So it's supposed to be a beautiful day. The Patriots are minus three. I think this is going to be one of the great games of the weekend. I think it's going to be a great game. And, and I'll tell you what, I had the Chiefs circled. I got one of these uh, yellow uh, legal notepads here that I, I do all of my scientific football stuff on. Okay. And just before I called you, uh, I crossed it off. I put New England. Oh, did and, you? Uh, <laughs> I, and, well, here's the thing is Mahomes, I, I thought, I thought he, I mean, he, he's, he's awesome, man. But there were some plays the other night that I'm like, why? And, and Brady, he looked tired to me or something the other night. I don't know, but. Um, he's almost 50. I'm, I'm, he's almost 50. Of course he looks tired. He's now, big fella. He, <laughs> I am the biggest uh, Brady and Belichick fan uh, that they probably don't even know they have or could care less, but. I, I think uh, Brady at home this weekend in New England and, and a huge following and and his game the other night and the interceptions two weeks in a row and everything. Uh, I, I say one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time, uh, longevity and and everything about him class-wise. I think he bounces back this week in New England and uh, uh, keeps the ball at home. 
Okay, so Gary's on record. He likes the Ravens at the Bills. He likes the 49ers. They need it more than the Saints. And he likes the Patriots at home against the Chiefs. Three great games that Gary uh, picked for the fans out there, a few fans out there. I voiced in on the 49er game myself. Uh, I am going to be talking to uh, the Bills coach on this show today at the same time or tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, Bobby Johnson. So I don't want to touch the Bills game. I'm not going to pick that game. The Chief and the Patriot game for me is going to be a great game to watch. But don't forget, fans, I am going to pick three games for you on my YouTube odds and ends. And also, I'm going for six in a row, Gary. Six wins in a row uh, with my pick of the week. That should be outstanding. The good thing is I bet all five of the first five. So that's uh, it puts me in the plus. But let's go. Yeah, thanks a lot. Mike, I don't always get a chance to call you on these things and well, subscribe, uh, subscribe to the show, man. You'll get an alert that it's out there. Well, I'm usually working, like some people I, <laughs> All uh, right, I'll make sure I it's... know aren't at the time. But, I know you, you said know, a couple of guys. You, you, can, you can drop a dime every once in a while. All right, I got you covered. I got you covered. I won't forget the last four games. <laughs> I won't forget. Let's move on to the great Remsen stakes. And as I pointed out, this is for 10 points in the Kentucky Derby uh, race uh, to qualify for the Kentucky Derby and four points for second place. I, I think this is a, a tremendous race. I see I'm looking down one, two, three, four, five. I've got five mar- horses with marks on them, and I have one horse with a comment on. Uh, what are you thinking here, Gary, and the Remsen? I know you're going to do this on, on television tomorrow for, what is it, Fox Sports 1? Is that where you're working for? No, uh, it's actually Saturday, and I, I uh, believe Saturday, yes, I, I, mean. produce, right? I, I think uh, I think we're on Fox, Fox Sports 2, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and the Madison Square uh, Garden Channel and uh, Prime. It'll, it'll be all over the place. Yep. It's only an hour-and-a-half show. We're on from, I believe, 3 o'clock till 4.30. Saturday afternoon, so yeah, tune in to either Fox Sports 2, MSG, or uh, Prime, uh, whatever your your networks are, check us out. Yeah, we're excited, and you're going to do three races, right? You're going to do the the, the, uh, Philly race? Yeah, we've got the Demoiselle as the eighth race, it's actually a trifecta race for me, but you and I are going to do nine and ten, we're going to do the uh, late double here, and I've only got two horses marked here, uh, Mike, for the uh, Remsen, and, and perhaps I should have more, but uh, Alpha 66, uh, the eight horse for mm-hmm. Todd Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of the Champagne, broke, yep. Yeah, coming out of the Champagne, I, I like his pedigree. Liam's map is doing really well right now. His father is out of a giant Causeway mare. The mile and an eighth should be right up his alley. Um, he had a, a really difficult trip in the Champagne. He drew the one hole, and the mile race at uh, Belmont Park, you know how when horses duck in, leaving there, like in six furlong sprints at Del Mar, but that's exactly what Alpha 66 did and kind of lost all chance. And he was wound up beating uh, four lengths uh, to tis the loss who was second last weekend on the same day as the Clark. And I, I think he may be the best two-year-old in the country. And I think right now Tis the Law is the early betting choice for the Kentucky Derby uh, in the early book mm-hmm. right now. And I think he's, he's going to improve again. It's his third race. It's Todd Fletcher, Johnny Velasquez, uh, Paul Pompa Jr., mm-hmm. uh, 
the owner. I, I love the connections. And I also love uh, the two horse, Forza de Oro. Mm. Billy um, Mott, Red Hot Billy Mott. Yep. Red Hot Billy Mott. And he had a rough time first time out. He, he dwelt at the gate, meaning he did not leave the starting gate. Al Jaweed, uh, horse of Terry McLaughlin, won that race. And he's also in here. Rosario's on him. He's mm-hmm. the four horse. Mm-hmm. And he came back in the Breeders' Cup fraternity at Keeneland. He was 7-2 to two that day. Uh, he was bet heavily. Um, I would throw that race out on Al Jaweed. But Forza Bureau beats Al Jaweed in the race. Uh, at Belmont in their maiden, both their maiden races, if, if he doesn't get away bad. So those are going to be my two picks in the Remsen. is going to be Alpha 66 and uh, Forza Dioro. Okay, and that, those horses go off for the fans as the eight horse is Alpha 66 and uh, Forza de Oro is the two horse. I have marks on those, but I also have a couple triangles. That's my key. I like the Aja Weed uh, for Kieran McLaughlin that came out of the Breed of Futurity at Keeneland. But the horse that I'm going to pick, and maybe it's a sentimental pick, I grew up in New York, the left fielder for the New York Mets, he caught the last, <laughs> he caught the last out for the, New York, for the New York Mets in 1969 to win the World Series. That's Cleon Jones. I'm going to bet Cleon. I'm going to put Cleon Jones in with your two picks. Uh, the two horse, the three horse, and the eight horse play myself a little trifecta, and uh, we'll see how it goes in the Remsen Grade Two. Ten points available for first place for the Kentucky Derby qualification, and four for second place. Great job there, Gal. Let's move on to one of the, if not the last, uh, Grade One races in the uh, in the United States this year in 2019. The Cigar Mile Handicap. What a great race! Uh, an intriguing race, and as you said, has some implications for the Eclipse Award three-year-old with maximum security. Go ahead and uh, take the fans through that great race. And, and not only maximum security, but I, I think his main competition on paper, anyway, uh, maximum security is number five horse. Uh, he looks like he's the speed of the speed uh, of the race. Uh, he's dangerous. I, you know, a lot of people have criticized maximum security and his connections. Uh, Jason Service and Gary and Mary West, it's tough to lose the Kentucky Derby in, in the Stewart stand, and I can understand the anger and disappointment uh, that they've been going through. Uh, Jason Service, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that people love to knock because all he does is win races. You know, he's, he's hitting at 29% this year. Uh, so what, what is he doing? Well, I'll tell you what he's doing. He's placing his horses in the right spots when they are ready. They knocked him for not running uh, back in the Travers. He ran one of the 105 degrees in the uh, Haskell Invitational. Right. And I knew right. that day it was going to knock horses on their ass. And uh, why run a horse if, if you're going to get a good horse beat and they're not 100%? Then they knocked him for not coming to the Breeders' Cup. Well, he had this particular prestigious race in mind. And I think it's great management. And every time he's had this horse right, uh, he's got the money. Uh, he's only been beat one time this year, and that was in the uh, Pegasus, which was considered a prep race mm-hmm. for the Hassel when it was 105 degrees. He ran second that day, came for a day beating. He came back, 
and he, he got the money in the million-dollar race, the Haskell. He mm-hmm. came back, and he won again in a prep race for what he's running in on Saturday in the Scar Mile. So I, I love maximum security. I love the way he's been managed. I'm not going to knock him. I'm not going to knock uh, Jason Service. I think he's done an outstanding job of getting him to this race, and, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for a big run. But the horse just to his outside fun to run another three-year-old mm-hmm. he won the breeder's cup dirt mile at Santa anita right and he's only won five of 11 races and earned a million dollars for uh connections that nobody's really ever heard of mm-hmm. uh carlos uh, guerrero and, and he's done a great job with him uh he has faced maximum security before and that was in the haskell uh he got shuffled back at the start he was kind of a non-factor uh third beaten nine and a quarter length but uh he's on the improve with 109 buyer in that race, uh, in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, but I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a long shot in here, Mike. Uh, a horse that has never run over seven furlongs. He's never run a mile before, but he's bred to get a mile, and uh, he's only trained by Ronnie Mo- Moquette. Yeah, Whitmore, right? The one horse, yes. For the first time, yes. Whitmore, if these two hook up in the speed duel, yes. Whitmore's going to pick up all the pieces. So uh, I don't know if he's good enough, but from a gambling standpoint, mm-hmm. Whitmore is going to be my pick. Ooh, I like it. You know, and I, I'm a triangle guy, and I, I put a lot of triangles, Diana laugh at me on my horses. Uh, that I like because I don't want to leave them out of any exotics, but I have triangles on four horses, maximum security, Whitmore being two of those, Spun the Run being the third. But I want to throw another horse in there for the fans that like to play the exotics, and that's Network Effect, the eight horse for Chad Brown, uh, coming off a uh, uh, allowance win at Aqueduct on the 10th of November, uh, uh, bullet work on November 23rd, and Chad doesn't throw a lot of bullets into his horses and he ran in the Remsen last year, ran second, and then mm. had a long, long break. I want to throw him in there for the fans, for their exotics. I think those are great picks, and I'm intrigued with Whitmore myself. I really, really am. Man, what a great job today. We talked about a lot of stuff, but let's talk about one more thing for the fans before we hang up on them. How about Christmas trees? I went to a fake Christmas tree last year for the first time. <laughs> In a long, long, long time. I've always been a real Christmas tree guy. We've always had big houses uh, when I coached in the NFL, and we've always had two Christmas trees. But last year I went to a a nine-foot fake Christmas tree, three sections, boom, bottom section in the stand, boom. Second section B in top of that, make sure the uh, two coils match up or whatever they are, boom. Number three, plug it in, lights are on the tree, I love it. What about you, Gad? Tell the fans. Are you a fake yeah, yeah. are you a fake tree guy or a real tree guy? <laughs> yeah, you're slow to the game. I I went to the fake tree uh four years ago and added a, a second fake tree for the upstairs last year. But I'm gonna give you another tip, Mike, on the fake trees. Is I I've got three dogs. We've got guinea pigs. I mean this house is a farmyard and it smells like dogs down here plus a stinky old athlete like me. But uh <laughs> when I opened the box up out of uh, storage, out of the garage, with the with the big nine footer of my trees, and it smelled beautiful. And and I said, Angie, what? She says, Oh, I bought those pine those pine scented things. Oh yeah, hide yeah. them in the tree. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's a tip right there. Get oh, some yeah. 
Yeah. And then, yeah. then you've got the real pine scent in yeah, there because I, I love real Christmas trees. I, I hate the mess. Yeah, I'm getting too old for that stuff. Me too. I'm getting too old for it too. But we did hang ornaments last night. Diane and I will get the outside Christmas lights up this weekend. Hey man, thanks a lot for coming on. Good to hear your voice. Safe travels to New York tomorrow. And uh, I hope all your picks are good picks for the fans and for me because I'm going to bet them too. And uh, safe trip. And let me know what's going on with our horse when you get down to FLA. I will do. Odds and end, Mike Tay. All right, bro. Be good, man. You too. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. I'd like to thank my two great guests, Bobby Johnson, offensive line coach of the Buffalo Bills, 9-3, and three, taking on the 10-2 and two Ravens this week in Buffalo. Best of luck to Bobby and the Bills. My friend, Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens, talked about a lot of great subjects, including the state of California racing. I'd like to thank those two guys for coming on. Don't forget, you can tweet us at Odds and Ends Pod. That's O-D-D-S, the letter N, E-N-D-S, Pod. I hope all your games are winning games. I hope your teams all win. I hope your horses cross the finish line first. And don't forget, I'd rather have a short price than a long face. We'll talk to you next week.